I'll give you an example of a, a common misconception. You will often get people who will get in touch and say, I'm looking for some finance and I only want to get one solution. So in their mind, one solution that covers everything is easier because number one, it's going to be one direct debit, one provider. Whereas the reality is, it's a bit like that's a bit like cooking a meal with just one ingredient. Yeah, it's okay if you're just doing a boiled egg. But if you want to cook a meal for some friends, you want to have a bit of variety to the meal. And it's the variety that allows me to get something that suits their needs and circumstances. In my life outside the confines of this podcast, I've been involved in two businesses of my own and worked with hundreds of small businesses to address their challenges and support their success. I'm Rachel Cheatham, a business person, advisor, coach, and mentor. Welcome to The Curious Business Guide, a podcast for anyone running a business, whatever stage you're at. If you're curious about every aspect of doing business and always keen to learn about new things, each of these episodes explores a challenge that came up for one of the businesses I support, and I explore with and look for guidance from experts in that field. It's the place to ask daft questions and take things from the very start, with the aim to leave better informed, perhaps with a plan of action, and most probably with even more to explore. Hello, I'm Rachel Cheatham, and you're listening to The Curious Business Guide. My guest today is Andrew Moon of the funding platform Swoop, and he's here to talk to us about that evergreen problem for small businesses, finance and funding. Andrew, what what are the sort of the main challenges that you come across for small businesses when they're looking to get finance? Um, I I would say that it's an area that they're not that aware of uh, and are unaware of the best routes to go down. Uh, We've done analysis and we found that something like 60% of businesses, when they take some sort of funding out, will take the first thing out that, that comes along and is put in front of them. So almost like they, they close their eyes, put their fingers over the nose and grab something. What you're looking to try and do is to try and get them to step back and go, hold on, what's the most important thing for me? And, and probably the best way to do that is for somebody to be able to look at the business overall. And once they've looked at the business overall, to then be able to step back and go, great, actually looking at where you are now, these are the potential ways that you can do it. That's a problem I come across quite frequently. It, it seems rather short-sighted to simply go, oh, right, I can get one from my bank or from that, that financer and just, you know, just take it. Does that limit their ability to get a good deal, to get the right kind of finance? Yep. So you've got two things there. You've got, when they're moving into territory that they're unfamiliar with, people will tend to get more wary. And when they tend to get more wary, they'll become more guarded. So what you need to be able to do is turn around to somebody and say, look, like if you're going to see a GP because you think you've got cancer, you've got to be prepared to have a, a full checkup. You can't just say um, you can examine me from sort of another room. So people need to understand that in order to work out the best solution, you need to be able to give all that information. That comes with confidence. That comes with whoever you're talking to, feeling that they can help and then being prepared to 
effectively give them the whole story. I think the problem I find most often, though, is the complexity of it. Even if you think about it in the simplest terms of you're going to finance a house, which is a big purchase and an equivalent sum often for a business when they're looking at at taking finance out, you wouldn't dream of just taking the first uh, thing that came along. You, You would use a broker, but we don't tend to do that in business. We tend to go, oh, I'll just go and talk to the bank or I will just go there or I've seen this and I'll just apply for that. It's that lack of confidence and lack of of knowledge and understanding that is the challenge there. But is it also the complexity of the landscape out there? So I would say that it's, you get a lot of people who will try and create artificial complexity, who will try and make something that's really quite straightforward, complicated, so that they can almost like big themselves up by, you know, I'm the mighty one who's come up with the solution. Um, The reality is since about 2008, there's been a massive, massive, massive explosion in all sorts of providers who have simple to understand solutions for all sorts of businesses. So it's the demystifying of it. It's allowing somebody to understand it in a simple way and going, hold on, well, look, let's say that you're selling to Sainsbury's. There's going to be somebody who's going to be prepared to lend you money against that because they know that Sainsbury's is a big supermarket chain. It's almost like taking it from a a complex subject, demystifying it, showing basic, simple solutions. But to get people into that world, it's trying to first of all work out exactly what they need. Uh, I'll give you an example of a, a common misconception. You will often get people who will get in touch and say, I'm looking for some finance and I only want to get one solution. So in their mind, one solution that covers everything is easier because number one, it's going to be one direct debit, one provider. Whereas the reality is, it's a bit like that's a bit like cooking a meal with just one ingredient. Yeah, it's okay if you're just doing a boiled egg, but if you want to cook a meal for some friends, you want to have a bit of variety to the meal. And it's the variety that allows me to get something that suits their needs and circumstances. I had a conversation very much in that ballpark earlier in the week where there is a need for a food and drink business to fund the launch of a new line. And we started talking about a single source of finance and it's now we are now approaching it in a more blended form. And that took a little bit of exploration and education with the business itself to bring them to to the point where they understood it. It was more about bringing together the ingredients, as you put it, like a recipe. And that seems to be an obstacle. And maybe that comes back to that point about complexity, you know, going to two or three different solutions or providers could be a bit more complex, take a bit more managing. And it's just really, at the end of the day, not really <laughs> worth the hassle. And, and that very much seems to be an attitude out there. But I do think there's an education part in this, educating business that there's a bit of, there's more than one way to approach that, this particular challenge. Yeah. And, and the, the solution we've taken to that is to have uh, experienced funding managers standing across the uh, across the pallet, across the globe, call it what you like, to be able to go, yeah, we know that this is not a world that you're familiar with. Let's explain it in simple language and let's work out with you the best way of solving that problem. So for your drinks business, you'd be looking at potentially if they're, if they're using someone else to do their bottling, whether you're, look, you're look, then potentially looking at trade finance, 
maybe invoice finance, maybe a cash flow facility. So it might be that they're, let's say, going to be exhibiting at the NEC and the cost of exhibiting at the NEC is maybe going to cost them 10 grand for a stand. And they know they might not get the money back from that until they place some orders. It's then looking at, are they selling to the public? Are they selling to consumers? If they're selling to businesses, you can then look at things like e-commerce finance. If it's an earlier stage business, there are things like startup loans. If they've now reached that scaling point, that then begins to become a thing that's interesting on the equity side. So there's a myriad of ways of dealing with it. Um, And it's almost like one step at a time, but keep the, the solution blended to meet their needs. That, that sort of brings us nicely to the Swoop platform, which um, you introduced me to last year. And it's a really interesting approach. And I think the finance technology, financial technology platforms are really breaking through. But for me, Swoop does something really different in exactly what you're saying by providing businesses with advisors who can help to bring this blended approach. So perhaps you can explain what Swoop does. Under one roof, an integrated system that allows somebody to look at equity, grant, debt and savings. We work with over a thousand different funding partners. A company can integrate their accountancy software at any stage they want to, give us any financial information at any appropriate stage. But if they've gone on to the site, they're able to, as soon as they start entering their name, we're picking up stuff in the background from company's house, et cetera, et cetera. They're able to then put down what it is they're looking for. And it can be multiple inquiries. They can say, we're looking for equity and grants and debt. They put down what they're looking for and why. The system has read the basic information that they enter and then will come up with matches. So it might come up with 50 debt matches, four or five grant matches, and in the background, not seen to the, the person who's using the system, 50 to 60 potential equity funds. So they can see on the debt side exactly who the providers are, how the products work, what the indicative terms are going to be. And then when they speak to somebody in the funding team, the funding team are able to go, great, let's now talk you through it. When you feel comfortable, give us all of your financial information. When they have the financial information, they're again able to then go and say, great, based on what you've told us, these are the potential solutions that we could come up with. The client then goes, I like the sound of that. At that stage, I'm happy for you to go and apply. So there's no damage to somebody's credit score. Um, there's no impact. We're only applying to providers that we know fits their criteria for a need for that particular client. If a client's looking for equity, the way that that works pretty simply is that the, the equity team would review the client's investor deck and would either go, fantastic proposition, fantastic deck, love to work with you, or they'd go, fantastic proposition, your deck needs work, do your work and come back to us, or do you know what, we're going to really find it difficult to get equity for your presence, why don't you come back when you've reached this scaling point? And on the grant side, what we're able to do is work out what are the potential grants that business might get, whether it's money from a local enterprise partnership, or whether it's a a research and development innovate a larger grant horizon 2020 or whatever. So that means that the company that comes in can feel that rather than somebody trying to push one solution down their throat, they've got somebody who's there going, great, look, we can look at this, we can look at the other, we can play one off against the other, or we can have two horses running now and we can decide at the end of the race which horse we're going to bet on. And I might have said, I might not have said before I finish, that all of that is free, we get paid on a success basis. 
and that really is key for this, for, for most small businesses where they're already in the position where they want to look for finance and, and sometimes need to look for finance, knowing that they can go to this one-stop shop is basically what you've just described to me and get their options laid out for them and then the support to apply without having to incur extra cost is invaluable. Correct. And it also might be that they've come on, they've had a chat with somebody and the funding team have gone, do you know what? We can get you money, but at present it's really expensive money and it doesn't really solve your problems. Why don't you go away and do X, Y, and Z with your business and then come back to us in three, six months' time. So they know they've got a reference point, somebody who's there to look after them that they can go back to who's guiding them in a professional way. Hasten to add that we're regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and we got a £5 million grant from the bank, uh, the BRS scheme, back in 2020. And that was partially because it's our stated ambition to make it a level playing field for SMEs up and down the UK. So we have a vested interest in trying to provide that platform of support for companies in the UK. That's absolutely brilliant. And that level playing field, opening the doors and providing accessibility to uh, something as vital as finance to keep the wheels rolling or to help with the growth is absolutely essential. Now, you've mentioned that you're dealing with thousands thousand plus different organizations, so finance houses, grant funding bodies, that type of thing. Can you give us some of the examples of, of the types of organizations you can tap into? The, the areas that are likely to grow are the equity partners that we deal with. So there are, we will come across new equity partners, either by hearing about them from clients who've used somebody in the past, an equity fund that gets in touch with us, a new player in the market. So that number will continue to grow. On the debt side, why don't we take something like invoice finance or maybe R&D? There are, there are, in the R&D world, there are a very large number of businesses that will help companies make their R&D claims. The vast, vast majority have the roughly the same proposition. They will charge a success fee and that success fee is between 20 and 25%. There is no need for us to have 40 R&D providers who do exactly the same thing. We don't even want to have people on the system who offer something that's in any way different. So do you vet these types of businesses before you bring them on board? Correct. Any, anyone who is on the platform has to have gone through due diligence. We're obviously very aware of reputational damage in terms of dealing with a provider that can't deliver for the clients that we're working with. So, for example, if somebody comes to you with their pitch deck, so they're looking for investment and, and they are at a point where they are investment ready, you know that the you know which investment houses or which organisations invest in that sector, that type of business, and you know what they're currently looking for. And you've done the due diligence to know that they are what they say they are and have the, the funds to invest. Correct. So if I'm, if I'm an, an equity fund, I will know that what I get from Swoop is only 100% hitting my sweet spot. So if I like AI businesses that are between two and four years old that have a turnover of, let's say, more than a million quid, I know I'm only going to get companies from Swoop that fit that criteria. And I will also know that the deck that I get has been curated and reviewed and we're one that I can understand and follow and read on my way through rather than going, what on earth is the company trying to say here? I mean that we're better on the equity side, but it does get us a better opening rate and the funds that we're dealing with like the way that they know they're getting from us, things that hit their sweet spot and are good quality decks. 
So in time, you, you should be able to see a, a greater success rate for gaining investment. But I, I suppose it is a bit too early for you to be able to say that right now. But that should be the long-term outcome. Correct. The, the greater the information and data that we have about what somebody likes, the easier it is to be able to send them stuff that meets their criteria. Obviously, we'll get a, a fair number of funds who will turn around to us and say, just send something over if it's good, which is pretty vague. And what the equity team can then do with that is go, great, let's begin to narrow it down. Because if we send them a business that's in motorsport and they reject it and say, we don't like that sector, they will know not to send them that again. And that kind of covers where the fund is, is, is a bit vague. Yes. Yeah, so you'll gain that history and that, that will be added into the overall intelligence you use in order to pass an investment proposal on. And on that, what can often happen is when somebody's given us their investor deck, they might not have ticked on our system that they're also looking for grants. But the equity team would review the client's pitch deck, thinking at the back of their brain, is there any sort of grant potential here? And if they see there is grant potential, they would then turn around to the client and say, look, we think we should look at grants for you as well. And if I digress slightly and talk you through how the, the grant process works, if somebody is potentially looking for grants, it goes to one of our grant partners and the grant partners, when they've sniffed the business plan or the summary that the client's got, and they've then spoken to the client, they would then either be saying, yep, what you're doing is fantastic, but you're just at too early a stage. Please come back to us when you've reached this stage. So that gives the company confidence that there could potentially be some of the grant side later on. That's the first outcome. The second one is, yep, what you're doing is in an area where there's grant money, but there's nothing available now. When we hear about something becoming available, we will let you know. The third is right time, right place. There's grant money available and the grant people that we work with can help them make their application. When people go direct for grants, and you might not want to quote me on this because this is a figure that I've heard, is 95% of companies, when they apply directly for grants, fail. The grant partners that we've got, their success rates are between 65 and 87.5%. So somebody's using somebody who has the knowledge to know when an application should be made for grants and to save everyone's time. There will also be companies that have applied for a grant in the past and failed. And about, oh, I applied, failed, nothing happened. With those companies, we're able to review to see if there is any potential for their getting grant. So it's looking at their previous application, looking at the reject letter under an NDA, and then going, do you know what? The reason that you failed is you didn't emphasize this, this, and this. It's worthwhile going again. Or saying, yep, you're never going to get it. Move on. And then finally, there might be companies that have applied for a grant and succeeded. And those companies is checking to see what else is out there. So you've had 400 grand. Great. Let's see what else you can get. And that's an interesting one, that last one. One of the challenges I find wearing my, my hat as a, an innovation advisor is that at the end of a funding, a funding for a project, quite often the project grinds to a halt because obviously the, the liquidity grinds to a halt. So those types of projects could come to you before the end of that funding has dried up and look at the next steps in order to take the project to the next level. That's right, isn't it? 100%, yeah. And what we've also got is we also now have people who will do loans against the match funding element in certain circumstances. I'm about to offer you a 400 grand grant. You need to do 100 grand match funding. You might be able to find a way of doing that, but that's going to slow the business down. We've got people who will potentially lend you that 100,000 pounds. Okay. So that big stumbling block, the match funding, that's one of the things that quite often puts businesses off 
applying because they cannot match fund or they believe they can't match fund, that you can help them to potentially access something like that. Yeah, and the word is potentially because it depends on in case by case. There's a minimum ticket size of 100 grand. And obviously, if, if I'm the person who's doing the lending, I would want to see the impact that 400 grand is going to have on scaling the business. So I'd need to do my own analysis to see what the positive impact is going to be. And that's going to influence how I can, how I can see that I'm going to get my money back. That's really interesting. I mean, we've sort of, we're talking now about fairly large sizes, large amounts of money here. And looking at the other end of the scale, you've already mentioned startup loans, which are, are relatively small amounts of money. What about at the other end, the smaller amounts or maybe the need for working capital or those types of challenges? Is that something that you're also able to help with? And it starts from the most basic level. If somebody goes onto the website and they're going, I'm looking to set up a bank account, who are the best providers. The system allows them to make their own comparison between the Tides, the Annas, the Starlings, et cetera, et cetera. And they can then go, great, I want to be able to use this bank because there's no fees for the next six months. There's online ability to do card payments or whatever. So it starts starts from the banking side, moves through to being able to give clients support for things like startup loans. And if somebody's gone onto the website and they're going, hmm, there's this startup loan thing. I don't need, I don't know much about it. There's information that they can download and read to fully understand it. So all the product solutions that we have, there's information about them, how they work, what the criteria is. So somebody in their own time can read it through. Let's say that startup business is now beginning to do some sort of sales. We can give them support from sort of small working capital facilities. There's less people in the market at present for that, but the market will change again. We can give them advice on selective invoice finance. Without going on too much of a detour, there's a, a, a large degree of a misunderstanding, miscomprehension about how, how invoice finance works. And a chunk of it is educating people as to how they can use it for their business and then helping them to provide the right provider. So one of the things that the funding team notice is if they're talking to an established business and mention the subject of invoice finance, they can almost guarantee the reaction they're going to get from the client is going to be that invoice finance. I spoke to my bank about it five years ago. I absolutely hated it because I was in a contract, this, that and the other. What people don't realize is that the market changes. So part of the education there is being able to explain to somebody something like selective invoice finance, because it might be that that established business has, keep it simple, five major customers, three pay within a week. One's a client that they've just taken on that they're not 100% certain on. But the fourth client is one that they, is, is their major client, but they only pay after 60 days. Selective invoice finance would allow them to raise something like 85 to 95% of the money against that invoice and get paid within 24, 48 hours with the provider taking their cut when it settles. So the cost of setting it up, cost of the provider is, is very low, but the nuance bit is being able to find the right provider for that particular client. So it might be someone who has a built-in cash flow facility. It might be someone who has a built-in trade finance. There are also people who have built-in insurance. So you're able to work with the client to find the solution that fits their particular needs. And then obviously, as that business scales and goes on to the next stage, they're able to move from provider A to provider B. Invoice finance isn't just for the big business. It could be a 
really small client who has just won their first contract with, let's say, Sainsbury's. Sainsbury's are, let's say, not going to pay them for 30 days, but they want to raise some money against that so they can go and get some more stock. I, as the invoice finance provider, aren't interested in the early stage business. I'm interested in the fact that they've got the client of Sainsbury's. So the, the credit score and the history of that small business is less relevant, completely relevant almost, but they would be looking at what's happening with Sainsbury's. So that would get the clients some money to go on and do the next stage of the business. It's certainly far more nuanced than it used to be. Uh, certainly when this this instrument first came out, it was quite a blunt one. And certainly the rates you're quoting there are so much better than it used to be and makes it a real you know, a real option to use as part of the overall pricing strategy and payment strategy in a, in a business. I think one of the things that I would say is that a modern funder is looking to grow their facility with a business as the business goes. The funding world is a lot different from the days when there was an indifferent bank or Wonga charging 2,300% per annum or whatever they were charging. They're looking to provide a service and retain those clients until the client outgrows them. And that makes a big difference to the relationship and to the long-term prospect for the business, having confidence in the lender they're using or the organisation they're, they're working with to support their growth and not to be the obstacle that they can often so they can often be in stopping that growth. So that's really, really interesting. If we can now sort of look at one area we haven't really touched on, which is you, you mentioned about savings. Um, what do you mean by savings and, and what's in it for the, the businesses? If uh, a company goes onto our website and integrates their bank account, Within maybe one and a half to two minutes, a comparison will come up that compares their current bank with nine other banks. The average saving that our system shows somebody is around about £1,540. And that's showing them a comparison between their current bank and a bank that quite probably, if there's going to be a saving, isn't charging them for standing orders, isn't charging them for FX, isn't charging them for credit card payments. So in real time, somebody can see what they would get if they switch from one bank to another. What we're also able to do is, if it's a company that pays their own utility bills, we're able to show them potentially what they could save or what they could lock in in terms of utility savings. So if we get somebody's utility bill, we're able to get a report to them in a matter of days that compares one-year providers, three-year providers, and five-year providers. And increasingly, we're trying to nudge people to go green. So it might show somebody if they stay with provider X, which is a conventional provider, the cost of going to a green provider is plus or, plus or minus one or 2%, and they decide to go green. The advantage of somebody doing something like that is with, with COVID, as you're aware, uh, oil prices fell through the floor. Utility providers who do gas were able to buy gas quite cheaply. But you've then had this significant increase in business risk. So if somebody's in a, a contract now, they're able to see a price for up to 12 months in the future. And if there are increases in gas prices, they'd be able to lock in potentially a saving now. I saw one that came through last week, which was a, a 32% saving on what somebody was paying. So someone would be able to put that into their system and go, great, we know that when our current contract finishes in August, we go on to a new contract that's going to cost 32% less than we're paying now. They can put that into their cash flow and it makes it easier for them to do their cash flow planning. One of the other areas that we can assist on is on the FX side. If it's an early stage startup, 
it may be that they've, they've got one European client and they're doing one transaction with them a year. They'd be able to go onto our system and see who are the lowest cost and most suitable FX provider for their current needs. It might be a, a sophisticated international holiday business, if there are people still go on holidays, where they're looking for multi-currencies, they're looking for hedging options, et cetera, et cetera. And again, the system would direct them to the most suitable provider. And there's no cost for their doing that. So what you're in fact describing is it a way to manage cash in its every form within the business across the board. You could almost take your business and look at its current financing, its current costs, its future needs, and in one place start to, to build a, a portfolio approach to what you do and a holistic approach to the cash flowing through your business and how it's managed. And that's basically where the platform sits, just at the centre of that. You know, you know from previous conversations, and as people have listened to other of these podcasts, they know that I tend to bring things to people's attention that I think are a bit of no-brainers. And this very much does seem to be a no-brainer. It encompasses every stage of a business's life, from start to grow to scale. And the only part missing, perhaps, and it may just be because we haven't talked about it, is actually the sale of a business or, you know, management buyouts or that type of thing. But if that's not done already, I'm guessing that it's maybe on the horizon. Yeah, things like that, the sort of secondary support services, we were looking at doing those before COVID came along. Um, but we're now slowly bringing a few in. So, for instance, we just, we've now just brought in a, a credit review service. So let, let's say a company gets in touch with us. They're looking for funding. We see that they're, we can understand why they need the funding, but their credit scores really not very good at present. We've got people we work with who can work with them to improve their credit score. So all, all the secondary services we're looking to slowly bring in, but we've been hampered by the work that we've had to do with dealing with COVID. As a, as a first point of contact for some of the government schemes that have been brought in over the last 12 months, it does seem the most uh, or the simplest way to start to approach this, particularly if your own bank isn't involved or has chosen not to support you at this time. Then, you know, I certainly the last 12 months, I know you've been doing quite a significant amount of that. And on, on the bank side, um, you know, I think people will still default to their banks and I think that world, though, is, is beginning to change. It's beginning to change because the banks are doing less on that side. People are getting more and more frustrated when they try and speak to somebody in their bank. The time that it takes, the lack of interaction and the, the bank's inability to be able to have a team that can support that client. It's pretty interesting to, in case you don't know, the banks refer us business. They will refer us business for clients, for sectors they want to get out of for areas they want to get out of and for cases that don't really suit their sweet spots. And I think you're right. The, the, the way that banks now work with businesses has changed. And I think after 2008, that really has become a very different beast. This is a good jumping off point or starting point for, I think, for a, a lot of businesses who don't have that relationship with a bank that they feel confident they can talk to them and would get a proper hearing. So what you're saying, well, the banks have, have had to change their, their stance, which is necessarily hit business, but you can help where those banks may not be able to, and hence the fact that they're now passing you their clients. 
and, and giving you a, a practical example, I was talking to an accountant the other day, and the accountant was saying that if a client of theirs needed asset finance, they would take their client to the bank. And I turned around to them and said, look, what we know is what that bank's appetite is for asset finance. We know the percentage of advance that they do. We know the indicative rates because we deal with them. The advantage that client would have is coming through us is we would be able to work out who would give that client the best potential deal. And it might be that we're taking it to that client's own bank. And if we were doing that, we would be helping the client to negotiate and ideally potentially getting the client a better rate. The last question really is perhaps it sounds like a bit of a silly question or an empty question, but it is if I'm a business and I come to you, what sort of information are you going to want off me at that first interaction? And then as we progress? Easy answer. It's whatever somebody feels comfortable with. Somebody's coming on and they've never spoken to us before. Let's say they're a bit wary. They've gone onto the system. They've put down what their funding need is. They're then talking to an experienced funding manager. Ideally, by the end of the call, they go, yep, that kind of makes sense. And then from that point, they'd either go ahead and give us all the financial information that we need by integrating their accountancy software. Or again, they might just give us some information until again, they feel comfortable. The information that is going to be needed would depend on what it is they're looking for. So I was talking earlier about finance. So if somebody goes onto the system and says they're looking for asset finance for something, the system will say, this is what is needed. If somebody's looking for commercial property finance, it would say, this is what's needed. If somebody was looking for a term loan, again, it would say all the information that's needed. And the reason that that needs to be picked up and understood fully is before we would go to a funder, we would be looking to make sure that it 100% meets that funder's criteria. Because obviously what you wouldn't want to do is put an application into a funder where there's a, a significant chance that it's going to be get rejected because that would impact on the client's credit score. So it would only be when the funding team can, as, as far as they can humanly understand and the system can understand, know that it meets somebody's needs that they'll be applying to that funder. And again, with the clients say so. And that's useful to understand is that you can start by having the conversation. You'll be guided through what you need to provide. You don't need to come with chapter and verse and a complex business plan or all your accounts sorted immediately or anything like that. It really is when you first approach the platform and speak to one of the Swoop advisors, you, you will be guided at that point by what you need to be able to provide. And what we're increasingly seeing as we gain there's greater market awareness of what we do. We're increasingly seeing that people will come at a very early stage and give us everything that's needed because they appreciate that in order to come up with a proper solution, we need to see everything. Andrew, this has been really interesting. I think there's a, there'll be a lot of questions from people who listen to this. So where can they find Swoop? Um, www.swoopfunding.com Brilliant. And I know you're doing uh, other, you're doing a number of webinars, certainly and there's one coming up on the recovery loans, I believe, next week. So those are all on the, the website as well. And the ability to register and get access to the advisors is there a, as part of that. Yes, they'll be able to go on there. Uh, thank you ever so much for your time today, Andrew. This is going to be a really interesting and informative 
bit of a listening, I think, for a number of uh, existing clients I have, and certainly I hope for the broader business community. Swoop is a really interesting departure. Um, I'm a big fan of fintech and using it to make, using technology to make life easier. So this has been a, a real treat for me personally to hear more about it. Brilliant. Rachel, it's been a pleasure. Um, and thank you for allowing me to chat away and ramble away for half an hour or so. Um, and looking forward to supporting as many of the companies you come across in whatever way we can. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you for listening. The Curious Business Guide is presented by me, Rachel Cheatham, in collaboration with my brilliant guests. And you can find out more on LinkedIn about the podcast. Check out the Curious Business Guide showcase page on LinkedIn if you want to get in touch or find out more about the guests. And don't forget to subscribe to hear more episodes if you found this useful. And please leave me a review or feedback whether you did or didn't. I trust you to be kind. This is a 1386 audio production. 